2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark, is in today in his full Bears gear. Does not have the mascot head on, but that is next week. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt and for Connor Clark at C underscore Clark underscore 27. That's the end of the underscores. I promise you, we're loaded up. Plenty to talk about. We'll get to some NFL. We'll dive into Nebraska-Wisconsin because that is still Saturday, 2.30 ABC. And uh, some thoughts from uh, some notable folks. Mitch Sherman in about five minutes. We had to move Mitch because he had PBA duty on uh, on Tuesday. So we'll talk to Mitch Sherman from The Athletic uh, shortly. We'll get caught up with Brandon Vogel from Hale Varsity. Hear from Scott Frost this hour as well. And in hour two, uh, we'll get things kicked off with Gary Barnett. And the coaching carousel is drunk. We'll get Barney's take on uh, some of the openings and some of the lack of patience and that TV money that allows you to play whack-a-mole with head coaches, whether it's uh, 13 games or four seasons or you've seen enough, uh, you know two guys that look like the the two brothers in Smokey and the Bandit right now are plotting to get rid of Sark. <laughs> we'll just see if that's a reality. Uh, Jeremiah Searles is a happy dude. He got the deer. He has been hunting. He has been tracking for more than a week. Our favorite offensive line Husker player and NFLer Searles going to be with us in the second hour and then Danny Burke, Burke's best bets with decent Sports Network. You know, Musburger's network, Danny, uh, going to give us his picks for the weekend. Dial us up at 466 3776 466 37 800-825-5865. Email chris at hailvarsity.com. So your buzz level and meter for this game against Wisconsin right now, it's probably at a two. And, and by Saturday at 2.30, it's probably going to get to maybe about four or five. Connor, there's going to be moments in the game uh, that'll take that number four or five and, and get it up to about a seven or eight. And then by the end of the game, we'll give our predictions tomorrow, you're going to be back down to being mad being mad at Nebraska sports overall, Uh, except for women's basketball and, and will bolt baseball, which is not till February and wrestling. Well, that's right. Coach Manning's incredible. Nice job by the Husker wrestling squad to to roll Carolina uh, midweek. So yeah, there you go. Uh, Uncle Andy's cheering on Husker wrestling for sure. My brother-in-law is a world champion or I should say state champion, but he could have been world champion wrestler. Uh, trust me. So, listen, uh, we'll see where Saturday goes, and Saturday will tell us a lot, whether it's this glass is foam or or beer, okay? When we hear about culture, when we hear about uh, what the players, the upperclassmen are saying, and it's their job to make sure this thing's a fight on Saturday, and that's their intent. I don't doubt that uh, as far as how genuine they are and, and what they're the level of practice has been like this week. I think they've been locked in. I think it's been spirited. I think it's been uh, high-level, high-energy. It just needs to be that way Saturday, and I don't think you'll see a, a flat football team for Nebraska. If anything, if you're Wisconsin, you feel like, eh, we pretty much got the West wrapped up. The rest of the division's a, a bleep show. Uh, we're hot. And Nebraska's been bad. That that's that's a reality. That's a real element uh, for this Saturday. Is what what's Nebraska, what's what's Wisconsin's focus level like? And is Wisconsin is Nebraska at the point this year where you hear coaches and players say the right thing, but when it comes to Saturday, Nebraska's given about everybody and anyone a, a ball game at this point in the year. If you're Wisconsin, how serious are you taking Nebraska? We'll talk about that with Mitch Sherman here in a little bit as we are going to spend a minute on on the running game because that is uh, very important for Nebraska on Saturday. How that happens to be balanced remains to be seen. Who is carrying the football is also something to discuss because uh, it it feels like a guy who's been gathering dust and kind of sounded off. Uh, with his experience this season, is Marquis Stepp. Uh, Marquis Stepp will need to be major for Nebraska on Saturday afternoon, as will Adrian Martinez. It's been kind of merry-go-round at the running back. I don't know what Yance status is. Uh, I know you don't have Morrison. Uh, Coach Frost hinted at Ramir Johnson being banged up a little bit, so we'll see you know how good Ramirez is uh on on Saturday and you'll need uh, a guy like Adrian to be able to do what he's done in the past against Wisconsin let's get some thoughts here on Saturday from Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter's where you find him Mitch good to spend time with you on Thursday man how are you
3: hey I am well Chris sorry I missed you on Tuesday I was uh active in uh in my um pursuits to get inside PVA had my 10-year-old with me and uh we um well he sat way up in the nosebleeds uh, <laughs> on Tuesday night and I was uh, I was on press row but uh appreciate you being flexible and moving no. me to Thursday.
2: Well thanks for for making time for us. Did you send him a picture where you're at and say <laughs> where are you at? <laughs> Did you taunt him? Yeah, he was having seating? a good
3: time. You know? He was with some friends, so it was fun for him. Um, uh, to uh, see the little you know the little people moving around down on the court um, I, <laughs> I think there's really not a bad seat in no, in good. the uh, in the arena so he enjoyed it and um i don't know you know he he uh he has some he has some uh he has the makings of uh, of, of being a a, a hated jester in that um and that his mother, my wife, uh, works for um, the rival university of the one in Lincoln. But both of his parents uh, are graduates <laughs> of Nebraska. So there, there's there's a there's a, a division or or some conflict in the house about exactly uh, which team to cheer for at that matchup. And uh, he was he was actually wearing uh, both colors. Uh, one under the other and in true front runner fashion, uh, stripped off the sweatshirt and wore the, uh, wore the Creighton shirt, uh, as the game, as the game. Went
2: well, Hey, um, in, in your household, he's allowed to do whatever he wants. And the fact that he was able to, uh, to go blue or red, uh, made him smile walking out of PBA one way or the other.
3: It, it did. I don't really like it. I would prefer for him to pick one and stick with it. I don't care which one it is, but, uh, you know, um, he, he chooses not to take that
2: route. Well, uh, there needs to be some, some more wins for the Red, I think. We'll get there in a minute. I want to go to Nebraska-Wisconsin here. And, you know, what what kind of importance are you putting on Saturday? We know the season's fallen short of expectations, but we've heard a lot this week, or at least the beginning of the week, from the players. And uh, they are, are still hungry, it, it sounds like. You know, what's um, what Saturday going to look like, do you think? And I ask you that each week, and, and there's no answer. It's like spin the wheel. We'll see what Nebraska yeah. does to to get in their own way. But do you, do you anticipate Nebraska being able to, to be competitive in this, or do you think Wisconsin's just that hot, that locked in? We were talking a little bit earlier before you came on. You know, Nebraska's record at this point in the year allows them to be overlooked if they were any other team. I just wonder... You know, I think Nebraska's focus will be fine. Do you think Wisconsin's will stay as sharp as it's been?
3: I think so because of the way the Badgers are playing and what's at stake. I mean, they know, and they've seen the Nebraska scores, and they've seen the tape, and it's like every coach every week now in preparation for Nebraska, you heard it from Ryan Day, and, and I don't know that I've heard it from Paul Chris, but I've heard it from others at Wisconsin. Paul Chris, you know, I, I, his – his comments seem to just, like, float off into space. I don't think he actually – he has mastered the art of, of talking and saying nothing. I feel like I probably told you that in years past as Nebraska got ready to play Wisconsin, but that's 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 how I feel um, about their coaching. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just like, yeah, I, he, he speaks, and, and I just hear – I just hear you – know, Paul. <laughs> meaningless noise, yeah. Um, but I know others at Wisconsin, and, and talking to Jesse Temple, our, our, our Wisconsin writer, um, said that Nebraska has their full attention, and, and you know, they've talked about – this being a team that that where the stats, you know, belie their, their records. So that, that, that's a common, a common sentiment um, as opponents have prepared for Nebraska this season, especially um, during this, this four game losing streak that the Huskers are, um, are enduring. Um, so I, I do think that Wisconsin will be focused. I mean, they've got to win this game to, to stay atop the race for the, for the big 10 West. So there's a lot on this thing for them. And, and there's, there's just, there's just not for Nebraska. You know, I mean, they, they, of course, they're going to say that that they they want to win and, and they do want to win. You know, they want to they want to break this streak against the Badgers. Same thing against Iowa next week. But um, I, I I'll I'll believe it when I see it that the Huskers' intensity um, is able to match what Wisconsin comes with on Saturday. I, I think Wisconsin's going to have an edge there. I think Nebraska's. Um, susceptible to, uh, to being flat in this game, especially because of what happened last week with the offensive coaches. Um, you know, I'm, I'm skeptical about their ability to, to, to uh, devise a game plan with this patchwork staff. As Scott Frost, um, of course, divides his time between getting ready for this game and, and thinking about, um, you know, keeping the ship afloat and, and, and finding an offensive coordinator, just a lot on his plate right now. And um, it's, it's going to be tough for Nebraska, I think to, to be as ready for this game as Wisconsin is going to be.
2: Well, and Nebraska's had weeks where they've had opponents, the level of, or or better when you look at the playoff rankings than Mm -hmm. Wisconsin. And and they've had uh, no time divided in the past, and they've still not been as sharp as they've needed to from a game plan standpoint or an execution. So, you had more uh, more work and uh, some new faces. Uh, you're right on. It could be uh, distracting and problematic. Do you think the new voices can 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 add anything here uh, on the offensive side, or do you think it's it's a tough ask for for this opponent specifically for for some of these new guys that have been on the staff, but now they're in new roles?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's always a possibility. Um, you know, these guys. They, they, um, you know, they understand Nebraska troops personnel. Um, they've been in positions to uh, to break down film, but, you know, hey, there's a reason why they, they were analysts and quality control coaches, and the others were, were were put in the in the positions to coach this team. Um, I, I don't know that they can just step right in and and you know do the jobs that they weren't hired to do. It's it's a, uh, you know, it's, it would be a transition a transitional type thing to get them. Uh, up to speed I would think on on everything they need to know to uh, to effective most effectively coach the team uh, there there yeah there's there's always the possibility that um, that this whole ordeal that Nebraska has gone through since the Ohio State game could somehow uh, lighten the pressure or you know eliminate uh, some of the things that have held Nebraska back in, in the the situations that have been most problematic you know the fourth quarter or the you know the the untimely turnovers or you know problems with special teams I don't know some maybe you jar jar something loose um within the structure of the team and and it comes out looking good on Saturday but I I just you know I I think that's kind of that's kind of um that's kind of dreamland Mm -hmm. like you know you, you you know you can concoct that in your mind when you think long and hard about this game but the reality is that's that's, that's much more unlikely than seeing a team that, uh, that looks uh, somewhat disorganized and like its brain trust is, um, you know, is, is focused on on more than just the game at hand.
2: Mitch, a couple of minutes here. We'll get you out on this. And Mitch Sherman with The Athletic joining us here Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, what did the Nebraska Creighton basketball game say to you about Nebraska hoops this year?
3: Well, they've got a ways to go. Uh, for sure, um, the loss of Trey McGowan's now is going to be uh, a big impediment for their opportunity to get off to a good start in the Big Ten. Um, they've got to find ways to get Bryce McGowan's in positions to score. Um, that was one of the more disappointing things that that I observed on on Tuesday. Was just you know there was that little stretch uh, in their run in the during the first half where he got loose. And you can just see the energy that he brings, you know, to the crowd and to the team and the bench. And, and then that gave way to a period where you had the backups on, on the floor. And obviously they were sparked by Kobe Webster. There were some good moments um, right there in that stretch, but um, they were too few and far between, obviously, to be able to, to, uh, to knock off Creighton. I mean, Nebraska expended a lot of energy in getting back into that game after facing a, a big early deficit. As you know, everybody who watched the game could see and it was just too much to overcome. They, 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 don't look to me right now when they're out there on the floor, the the, the top five or you know that that top eight man rotation. Maybe they, they don't look yet to me like they're in sync, like they're playing five as one. It's more there's a lot of of one 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 one, mm-hmm. and you know that's that's not going to work. That's not going to work uh, in the Big Ten when you go against the bullies in this league. They they have to find a way. Uh, to gel and come together and look like um, a team. And it's understandable because most of these guys have, have not played together in this kind of a setting, um, but uh, that's the challenge that you face when you have as much roster turnover as Nebraska has had every year in, in the Hoiberg era. And I know that's kind of the way of, of college basketball, but there are programs and there are teams that seem to be able to do a better job um, than others of finding uh, finding a formula to make their make their guys mesh together. You know, Creighton is a team that um, at the start of this year looks like, at least on Tuesday night, looked like it, it had it had done a nice job of of, uh, of accomplishing that. And I know it's not been that way every game for Creighton so far, and you know they may take a step back and, and then go forward. But uh, you know I have faith in um, in Greg McDermott and, and that that coaching staff to find a way to uh, you know to have them playing as a team when they get in the Big East. And, and I'm not I'm not sure Um, that I have that same level of confidence. um, And Nebraska's going to do that in the Big Ten.
2: It's Mitch Sherman with The Athletic. Mitch will chat uh, to and then safe travels to uh, Wisconsin. Thanks for the time today, bud.
3: Okay, thanks, Chris.
2: And we're back. Fellas, think we could
1: listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
4: Yes! That's awesome!
2: Back with you on a Thursday, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. Open phones here in about uh, 10 minutes till the top of the hour. Gary Barnett, Jeremiah Searles. Next hour, we welcome in managing editor with com and magazine and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel back with us. And I-80 Preview is Vogues' podcast, so when you're loading up the truckster for Madtown, assuming you're going... Uh, you, you hit play on Google, Play, Spotify, or iTunes. Vogues, I love it. You, you focus on that dreaded C word, my friend, culture. Uh, what does culture slash pride look like Saturday if you're a Nebraska fan?
4: Well, I think it's pretty simple. Nebraska, before all of you know, the change last week, was a team that I thought was good enough to, to play with Wisconsin. And Wisconsin played really well. And we've seen Nebraska play consistently with really everyone on their schedule. So a strong, an indication of a good culture, of, of a strong week, would be being able to make it look that way uh, despite everything else that's going on. That said, easier than done.
2: Yeah. Is this a monster set up by your friends in the desert? It's only minus nine. Maybe it's minus nine and a half. And you have no JoJo. You've got new people trying to do different roles on offense. Who the hell's carrying the football? <laughs> and uh, then there's that Wisconsin defense. So can I get alone and do we call a friend in, in, in across the river or in the desert and just say, lay it all on Wisconsin? I mean that that it just seems like it's too good to be true to get Nebraska in nine.
4: Yeah, and, you know, two weeks ago, it probably would have been closer to a touchdown. And, in fact, I kind of thought the line would open at around a touchdown. I think that's with both teams operating at kind of peak levels, that's the difference between the two. I figured the 10 was probably uh, the coaching change. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty with Nebraska at the moment um was factoring that in but as the week's gone on and you've heard a little bit more about who's here who's not who might not be it does start to feel a little bit uh a little bit low for wisconsin
2: well let's get into nebraska and and you're a numbers guy as well brandon vogel with this you know why is nebraska had success putting up the yards that they have, Nebraska is about the only team that's done it. Nebraska and Ohio State—they're the only two offenses really to gash uh, Becky, uh, either home or away.
4: Yeah, you know those the 2018 and 2019 games, which man feels like a world away. <laughs> um, Nebraska was really able to to stay on schedule in the run game, particularly in that 2019, um, which not many teams do against Wisconsin. That's that's why it stands out and with some uncertainty around Nebraska's running back room at the moment, that's probably a bigger ask. But that 2018 game, they were able to hit some big plays through the air. And this Wisconsin defense is one that, um, I mean, it's kind of out of that classic Wisconsin-Iowa mold. Like, they make everything hard. And they just win the majority of plays. Frequently, what you see with one of those defenses, though, is they'll be a little bit more susceptible to the big play. Can Nebraska hit some of those on Saturday? Can it do it through the pass? I think it's got, you know, capable receivers, uh, and I would include the tight ends with that. It all comes down to can they protect the quarterback? And this Wisconsin defense is probably the highest havoc rate team in the Big Ten. So that's sort of the challenge at hand for the Huskers.
2: Now, one side of me says, well, there was a better offensive line in nineteen, but think of the re- think of the receiving core in nineteen that that hit some big plays. I mean, it was really just J.D., <laughs> okay? Yeah. Think of the receiving core and tight end crew you have now. But that's offset by the offensive line play. Nebraska's going to not crank the pace up here. They're going to be protective of, of the defense, which is what you got to be, because, you know, Wisconsin's going to go sledgehammer with – Alan, the man-child, my God. Uh, I'm sure, Vogues, <laughs> you looked like that when you were 17 um, and, and ran like that. But, you know, I look at Nebraska, and and I think, Adrian, listen, you can absolutely pull this off Saturday because of, of getting that X-factor at quarterback. It's been the Achilles heel for Wisconsin this year. It still is, uh, and they – they just say, don't screw it up, son, and hand it off. And then there's Adrian, who's had another week of rest. He's talked about pride. And this offense uh, is really good at spreading out this Wisconsin defense. It's it's a good matchup if there is such a thing.
4: Yeah, it, it is. Um, and, you know, Frost has talked to him multiple times about kind of wanting that that moment where You know, we're not talking about Adrian in the way we've had to talk about him a lot of the time, which is supremely talented, maybe not enough around him, maybe a fumble or an interception at the wrong time. Have one where, like, he's the reason Nebraska is in so many of these games. They just need to get over that hump with him. And you really want that for a guy who's kind of given as much to this program as he has. And he remains Nebraska's kind of X factor and That's true against most of these Big Ten teams. Almost all of the opposing coaches mention it. You need him to be pretty good because you're going to have to have some success running the football. And coming into the year, I was really, like, I think for Nebraska to be as good as it can be, that person can't be Adrian Martinez. But at this point, you got two games left. So it's just find a way and do whatever you need to, to win one or even both of those.
2: What would a win do, bud? I mean... You've got a fan base right now that is, you still are going to watch, but you're despondent with how the season's gone. You're pissed about basketball, uh, men's anyway, and, and you're waiting for baseball and you're cheering on the women Huskers for, for, for basketball, right? So let's let's talk landscape, and a win would do what? Would that at least turn things a little bit for for I the end of this been, season? Yeah.
4: I think it has that potential, but the bigger thing I think it would do is it would kind of allow an excavation point at the end of, and, you know, some people aren't, don't want to hear this talk anymore, but, you know, Nebraska is clearly, I think, better um, this season than has been in previous seasons. You know, might get kind of dicey there with 2018, but they're making strides, and it just it hasn't happened yet. And it's frustrating as, as all heck for everyone who's involved, but it's, it's where they are. And you've got two teams left on your schedule. It's the two teams nobody ever really wants to play back-to-back. Two teams you probably don't want to play at the end of the year either, just in terms of the physicality of it. But it is what it is. And they're the two teams that you look at the Big Ten West, and Northwestern jumps up there every now and again. But in Minnesota's been close. But it's Iowa and Wisconsin. It's, it's the two teams Nebraska needs to be able to measure itself against eventually. Um, getting a win against one of the two um would certainly help in that regard.
2: Right. And just being flat out honest, Nebraska's not in position to overlook anybody in their own division. They've shown that not just in an off year, but multiple years, where Purdue's got a winning record and Illinois has a winning record and the boat rower does his thing. Uh down to, down teammates or or not <laughs> scoring, yeah. scoring 10 points in the second half right as as we saw earlier in Minneapolis so Nebraska has got to kind of start from ground zero even though it's year four with kind of going on a revenge tour but these two these last two games vogue to the two biggest villains that's who you six years ago seven years ago you saw yourself trying to compete with Wisconsin because you had everyone else in check or at least you had a you know better than better, way better than coin flip chance of beating everyone else in your division that's gone way sideways post politi and and now right now you're you're the win on the schedule but man if you can split or get both i think that'd provide a ton of optimism
4: it it would and you're you're right like even the conversation about Wisconsin and Iowa from Nebraska's perspective is a little presumptuous because like Usually in video game, lore, you've got to beat the level two and level three bosses before you get seven and eight. Uh, but with the way things have gone for Nebraska, all that's left are seven and eight. Um, and you're going to have to play it anyway. So you'll you'll kind of take what you can get. But you're right. I mean, there's a whole other issue over over on the other side of, okay, well, it'd be nice if this were just kind of a, a triangle of, of, of hatred and for the division every year. And I think based on, you know, regular uh, – Kind of resources and where these programs historically fall, it probably should be that. But Nebraska hasn't cleared the other hurdles to get there first.
2: The triangle of hatred's beautiful. That's that's well done. That's a t-shirt. Uh, Connor's going to jump in here real quick.
5: And Brandon, we I'm going to throw this conversation over to the basketball team real fast. And obviously, Trey McGowan's out with the broken foot now. He'll be out for I believe it's six to eight weeks. Is that timetable? So good enough for about mid-January. He's been described as a really big leader for this group and obviously the older brother of Bryce McGowan's. Who would you personally like to see step up and fulfill that leadership role on the court while Trey is out?
4: Yeah, I, I think, and, you know, Hoiberg talked about it today, and they're going to go young to, to kind of do that. I think in terms of the leadership piece of it, and you, you saw this a little bit against Creighton, um, I think a guy like Kobe Webster is, is the person I tiered to first there. Uh, just with as much as he's played and he, you know, is kind of a calming influence. At least that's how I would characterize him. So I think you can look there for the leadership piece of it collectively. They've, they've got to, of course, get better. Um, We'll we'll see how they respond tomorrow night, but that, that the Western Illinois loss, I was able to say like, okay, well, it's a long season, you know, new pieces, figure some things out. And, I should still be able to say that about the Creighton loss. I'm just having a tougher time with it because it looked like a team in Creighton that clearly knew kind of what its identity was, despite welcoming in a lot of new players. And Nebraska didn't look any closer to that. And it, it honestly kind of echoed football in a lot of regards for me.
2: Yeah, you're, you're right on it. You are absolutely right on it. With You're underwhelmed and why, why do they play that way? Why do they look like that? And uh, how come it's got to be this hard if you're a Nebraska fan? But plenty of season left for one side of this uh, discussion. And this pain is almost over, my friend, for 2021 uh, for Nebraska football. See if they ease some of that pain in Madtown. Vogues, will check in with you Saturday morning for the weekend edition and uh, you tell the little man to keep playing them drums in the background, all right?
4: <laughs> yep, yeah, apologize for that. No,
2: that's all okay. good. Here we are. Give me the bottom <laughs> solo, please. Uh, take care, <laughs> folks. Thanks so much. All
4: right. Later.
2: There it is. Brandon Vogel, com and Magazine and Little Voges uh, getting the, uh, the intro to, to when the levy breaks with some pots and pans. We'll uh, hear from Scott Frost. Some more thoughts. Open phones here the next 20 minutes. Gary Barnett after five. at Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. Tail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Connor Clark. We'll get into some Scott Frost here uh, post-practice today. And kind of a wild week in college football you have. Mel Tucker on the doorstep of 9.5 million a year. The Big 12 putting the old knockout punch to the Texas Tech radio crew, and just for kicks, Miami Diaz. Miami's Diaz. Manny is not worried about his job, despite his AD being gone, which means some high money folks. Uh, uh, moved out the AD not long ago, and that uh, that momentum that you had with a couple of wins in a row is fleeting not on the road this weekend for wisconsin nebraska but we're on the road a couple of times next week leading into thanksgiving our friends at Aero brokerage and ferris financial group help power our road shows and uh, Aero capital Aero brokerage your full service real estate brokerage local folks that will help you and they specialize in real estate investment that means buying and selling Staging, investing, and much more. And they do an incredible job. Uh, Stop by uh, their offices today or reach out to uh, Jenny Limbach or Marcus Schmidt. And the way you get in contact with Arrow Capital, Arrow Brokerage, real easy. Brokerage at ArrowLincoln.com. And then ArrowLincoln.com backslash brokerage. That's the website. Above was the email. And for your uh, socials, at Arrow L-N-K, for Facebook, at Arrow underscore Lincoln. And uh, Ferris Financial Group, they are great at taking care of you and your money. And when it comes to in- investment strategy, they are great for budgeting help or just that nest egg, right, when it comes to your retirement goals. And it's been a transitional year, right, uh, for so many, between new jobs or changing jobs. Contact Marcus Schmidt today at Ferris Financial Group at 402-525-6824. Marcus.Schmidt at dot com can reach out to them also on their website, Ferris Financial Group. So, Connor, dive in here, and let's get into some Nebraska football thoughts. Uh, you look at this Wisconsin team, and, and if we go back to, to, like, wow wins for Nebraska the last 10 years, I mean, up there with it was the uh, Kirk Cousins-Michigan State team. All right. Uh, you have the Michigan State win by Nebraska against Antonio and that crew that went to the college football playoff the two weeks after Nebraska won and beat them in 2015. They went and won against uh, Ohio State and, and, and that team, right? Uh, that was uh, super impressive. But the, the question about motivation – I think the team will be motivated. I just don't know that they got the horses to do it, quite honestly. Uh, If you're on the phone line, stay there. We'll get it in a moment. But I don't worry about motivation. I worry about kind of the same thing that's plagued this squad, and that's execution. And, And Wisconsin does it. Nebraska doesn't. And Wisconsin's kind of got out of their system Some of that bad mojo. Three non-offensive touchdowns against Notre Dame. Uh, The lack of scoring against Penn State to to open the season. But they're a different team. Is Nebraska going to all of a sudden be a different team than what we've seen this year and actually go get a win uh, in a place that's been a house of horrors for them?
5: Yeah, I mean... This is going to be a tough test, obviously, and you're missing the majority of your offensive staff. You have two guys left, and this is going to be, in my opinion, a big game to see, okay, well, Nebraska can still do this. Their head coach can still do this. Let's go kind of check them out if you're a coach looking for said coordinator job. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a big one, and obviously that will bring a lot of hope back to this fan base because right now you sit at 3-7. and The bowl game is out of the question at least eligibility-wise, but it's a team that you have not beaten since 2011. They have murdered you. Absolutely. Most,
2: most times out, they have crushed you.
5: They are a big brother your, your in the They've same way. They've
2: killed state. you your way. Right. Power football.
5: Exactly. So this is a big game, not only for the team, but for Scott Frost himself. I think if they go in and make this game close, it's just going to be the story of the entire year. If they really want to have momentum going into next year, and as you mentioned before we even got on the show going into Black Friday, they got to get this W. And I know it's a really good team, and it's a Wisconsin team that's really hot right now, and they will probably be in Indianapolis when it all comes down to it, depending on how their game goes with Iowa. But this game is huge for the future of this storied program, and it's huge to get this fan base back into it and riled up for Black Friday.
2: Good thoughts. 466 or 800 5865 Yeah, I mean, you want to talk about Scott Frost back for 2022? He is. Uh, what can you pull together in a tough week where you've made changes off of a bye week? You've given guys more responsibility and you still have that, that playmaker at quarterback, where you're waiting for him to make plays all four quarters and obviously stay healthy and then get some help from the offensive line. I mean, a lot of questions and a chance Saturday, by the way, on ABC, national audience, right? To, to show that you guys still have some swings back in you. Pete's with us here on Hale Varsity. Pete, go ahead. Hey, how are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for calling.
4: So, yeah, I think on this Wisconsin game, I think it's going to be absolutely critical that uh, Adrian Bartidas or whatever quarterback's in there uses their feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to have to be a willing runner. If he isn't, uh, that defense is going to eat him up. And I don't know. I think Dolman is really going to hurt that defense. Uh, could you kind of explain who's going to take his place? Yeah, sure. And And if they're going to kind of maybe – Call it a different position or they've got somebody to back Goldman up of what he was doing. And the third thing I wanted to bring up, I really don't believe Scott Frost only has one more year. I really think if uh, Trev okays the assistant coaches and the offensive coordinator, he's going to give it more than one year as long as it doesn't fall apart. So I think Frost has two more years. As far as i 'm concerned, that's maybe fair that 's fair
2: Pete very fair i 'll answer those for you, thanks for listening, but appreciate the phone call so one yeah adrian 's got to be a willing runner. Adrian may have to carry it as much as he 's carried it all season just because of where Nebraska may potentially be at at running back okay it 's going to be that situation, and you 're going to have to move Adrian in the pocket so he 's not he 's not been great at dropping back and feeling comfortable anyway. So you better hope his leg and his ankles healed and get him on the move. Okay, that that's that's step one. JoJo Doman is a monster loss. He's an incredible player and an incredible leader. Uh, I think Gifford is the, the next up. I think if you're smart and if you're Nebraska, you've got enough secondary guys to cover Wisconsin's receiving threats. Wisconsin's going to beat you grounding and pounding, period. They're not going to let – uh, unless somebody's gotten into the whiskey already, they're not going to let that quarterback throw more than 15 times. That's how they've flipped things from a brutal start. right? They they have changed things up because they're not asking a mistake-prone quarterback to go win the game or even manage it. It's beyond management. It's, it's hand off to the back and let the running backs do their thing. Thirdly, uh, I don't think you're off with Frost getting a third year. You've seen history show you and you had that what could have been or what would would have been, two thousand three, where Frank made staff changes, came in, and things were all right. But those assistants that made a big difference on defense were only given a year. But you got to show it end of this year and next year. Hence the October first date for twenty twenty two. We'll wind down hour one next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale varsity presented by the Nebraska lottery loaded up hour two. is excited to talk with Gary Barnett. Jeremiah Searles, Husker Sideline man, and then Danny Burke, Burke's best bets. And um, no, we're a uh, listen, why am I excited about Nebraska, Wisconsin? It's, it's more football. Nebraska, you've been aching and waiting to beat uh, a good team. All season long, this is your, <laughs> your next opportunity to be a hero or heartache. And, and a lot of you have already checked out or tuned out on football. I, I haven't quite yet on this team. And then, of course, Black Friday looms, which uh, is, is – Wisconsin's probably too tough to, to do it if you're Nebraska. But, hey, it's going to be interesting, right? And in, in how, how does the team look? How does the team respond? And you, it's going to be one or two ways, right? It's it's a one-way street. It's either they're flat and they're pissed that some of their, their position coaches have been removed and they say screw it after not quitting or checking out all year, or it's the other way. They're going to fight for and, and, and try and go get one for a Greg Austin or go get one for a Super Mario or go get one for Coach Lubick or, or I don't know if... Uh, Marquis Stepp's going to be carrying the ball for Ryan Held this week. I don't know. But case in point is you still have a chance to go out there and guys uh, are trying to do some some things. You know defense is going to be locked in. You know Chin's going to have them ready. And Wisconsin's, it's all about being able to withstand uh, the punishment and, and hand some out to yourself defensively. They've done that all year. They've not, they've not blinked it all. That matter who they're face, who they're facing defensively. It's about the offense helping out. It's about getting some complimentary football, and uh, maybe, maybe that is still in the offing here in twenty twenty one. Maybe you get the offense to show up and and play a good four quarters. Reminder about buckling up. Seventy percent of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska. Not wearing a seatbelt, if used properly, a seatbelt can and will reduce risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling, i brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Uh, find our podcast, Hail Varsity Radio Show, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Give us a rating, Good, Bad, Ugly, and uh, give us a uh, subscription or follow. It's free. Don't cost you nothing. You can listen to us on your time. And also find the on-demand portions, ESPNLincoln.com. Things are posted on Facebook, ESPN Lincoln. Facebook, ESPN Lincoln uh, is also where you go for the, the Twitter handle with some of the 2-Minute Drill SoundCloud portions of excerpts from interviews. But uh, get the podcast. Check out the the Herdat family. Great stuff from Aaron Sorensen. Uh, we just talked to Brandon Vogel. Uh, Greg Smith and Jacob Padilla do an awesome job. Derek Peterson, as well, Doctor Petey crushes it with the Varsity Club podcast. So, uh, check out all and uh, heard at dot uh, coms where you go for that. Uh, in hour two, Gary Barnett will get on the old carousel with him. What does he see with some of the coaching changes or shakeup uh, at the end of this season? What's his take on Nebraska, Wisconsin? We'll do some rapid fire with Barney. Uh, some big Big Twelve games. And no doubt his take on Nebraska-Wisconsin. Searles, he's been film studying quite a bit when he's not been going and trying to whack Bambi's daddy. Uh, He got himself a a good-looking deer today. We'll we'll camouflage up with Searles here at 525. And then Danny Burke from Beeson Sports Network. Burke's Best Bets Hour, Two on the way with Hale Varsity. Back into it, detail, Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Nebraska-Wisconsin, and uh, the Buffs take on Washington. We say hi to Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with Northwestern and Colorado and, and sent for another weekend of, of college football. Coach, we're, we're almost to, to Black Friday, still some some more games to get through. How's your week been? What do you know?
6: Oh, nothing. I'm just watching all this stuff. This... Coaching carousel unfold and it's just crazy. I've never seen so many interesting things happen in one year than I've seen this year between the games, the upsets the fact there's one really good team and just a bunch of other guys the coaching changes jimmy lake gets fired after 13 games i mean holy smokes there's tv money it's just made it a you know like a like a video game out there and uh, it's it's nuts but it's sort you know the guys like us have something to talk about that's for sure
2: absolutely and it doesn't ease things. I mean, the money makes you feel a little better. There's some security there, but guys are competitors and they they don't like change if they're being asked. And just what's your you, you hit on it? The um, the TV money is the difference maker here when it comes to to moving on from somebody. I want to kind of get your your take on. And there's no magic wand or one size fits all. But from a from a patience versus a time to make a move, coach. This isn't the year to make a move with about 50 jobs. It feels like that's open unless you can go get your guy
6: unless you've already got him lined up mm-hmm. and you've got to know what's him but I mean you could be like Texas I mean they got a great deal by firing Tom Herman getting Sarkeesian don't you think I mean there's an example of going and getting your guy that may not even be your guy it's such a crap shoot mm-hmm. on uh, everybody trying to catch lightning in a bottle and society and the way we do things now doesn't let you take the four or five years it takes to build a roster, and now they think the portal gives you a chance to build your roster faster, and I don't think it does, Chris. I think it just is another game you play in trying to to write the process because it looks like to me at least with the portal the guys at the top the the Alabamas the Georgias they, they prosper because they get the best players that are proven at other places that want to take a play at a higher level or the highest level and I think the people at the bottom who have struggled getting a roster they get some help especially in grad transfers and then everybody else in the middle just sort of trades each other's problems and so i don't know that this portal is going to be the answer to it but it's it's the way people are going about it right now
2: what's Fascinating is to look at Michigan State's flip around, and I know Mel wasn't in Boulder as, as long as he could have been, but Tucker, he could have a Heisman winner from the portal. That's more the exception than the rule. He's the one guy that may be giving some false hope to other programs and staffs that want to hit it big and hit the lottery in the portal. They've been great in two years, but that might not be the norm.
6: Well, no, you're right. That's how Everybody's using him as the norm but or as, as the goal, mm-hmm. but it's – You you have no idea. I'll guarantee you Mel Tucker didn't have any idea that that guy was going to be that good. You know, I'll guarantee you. you just don't know that. You hope, but you don't know it. It's fascinating to watch. From afar. I know that.
2: We'll get to some Nebraska stuff in a minute, but what's your mood around the Pac-12? I mean, CU's scuffling. Washington whacked their coach. Who knows what happens at UCLA where Chip is, right? And, and then you got SC that's been open. I mean, you got a ton of athletes, and, and then there's Oregon, right? I mean, it seems like every year, every other year, there's a lot of Pac-12 gigs open.
6: Yeah, it, it does, but it, it seems like it starts slow, and then it builds, and mm. all of a sudden there's a bunch, but this year it's Started early and it's going to be a bunch. Um, you know, Oregon's probably the best team, but they've got to play Utah this week and Oregon State next week, and that, and then get through, get by Utah again. So, you know, I, I think the likelihood of them being in the playoffs is very slim. Okay. But Cristobal is is on everybody's list to hire, and and you just there's just a few guys out there that are proven entities for all these jobs. Matt Campbell, I think, is throwing his name back in some places, and he should pluck one. And then James Franklin's trying to get out of there. Uh, with Mel Tucker being locked up now, it, it, uh, you never know if Mel's locked up, though, by the way.
2: <laughs> well, so, 9.5 uh, should lock anybody up, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, you
6: know, it's funny money. And so I think LSU now probably looks at Franklin a little bit more. Because he was in the SEC, so I don't know where they're all going. Um, and, and you know, we've got the, we've we've got two openings during the middle of the season in mm-hmm. the Pac-12 with with uh, Washington State and now Washington both being open, and they're going to play each other next week without a head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, how nuts is that?
2: What's your thought on Aranda? Does he stay or does he look at an LSU or an SC? because he's he's familiar with both?
6: Well, I I think he's going to listen and I you know there's one thing I learned about being at the other end of it Yeah, you only get leverage so many times and you better take advantage of it and but be careful what you wish for and mm-hmm. I mean it's a two two-edged knife there sword but uh, Aranda has put himself in a position to really be a prime candidate for all these shops. and he's really good Chris exactly. I'm you know, I, I go back and remind you, I was trying to do a book for a while, and I mm-hmm. went to about seven or eight half halftimes, uh, just to, I was going to do a book on halftime adjustments. And uh, Arando was the most impressive, and he was a defensive coordinator at that time uh, at Wisconsin. He was the most impressive guy of all the guys I went through, and I won't tell you who all I went through. He was the most impressive guy that I saw in the locker room at halftime with his players.
2: What What was so impressive about him? Tell me a little more.
6: Well, just the maturity and the calmness, and the fact he had uh, he was listening to players. He made decisions. He just had more of an organized mind and an organization to his halftime uh, work than anybody else i saw
2: that's so key isn't it and you've, you've lived it i mean you've had to figure out what someone else is doing and, and counter or switch it up right i mean that's not a, that's not an easy 20 minutes
6: no and it's way overrated because <laughs> uh i mean way overrated not you know because colleges don't have access to all the video and uh the things that you do in the NFL uh, the NFL players come right in, they sit down, they have their own area. They have all the video right there in front of them playing, showing them exactly what happened, what they need to do. You don't have any of that in college, none. So it's, it's just whatever the GA writes on the board that he thinks he saw they're upstairs in the booth. And then, uh, you know, you're talking to players, but you don't have much time. And then you got to, you got to formulate a plan so, uh, you know, it's, several teams did a first-half plan and a second-half plan. They didn't have to make an adjustment mm-hmm. or, or try to make adjustments because it's really hard to do. Um, but there was a lot of different approaches to it.
2: Gary Barnett, a few minutes with a sale Varsity Radio talking coaching carousel. Nebraska needing to to make some hires here on offense, Coach Barnett. And, you know, when you were kind of vetting a guy or putting the staff together, and I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but who did you lean on? Who did you listen to? Or were you pretty good uh, out of the gate with that first experience, knowing where you wanted to go to put uh, a hire or staff together? Because that's what Scott Frost is facing, and I just wonder who he's listening to. To.
6: There wasn't anybody I necessarily listened to. I listened to everybody, but mm-hmm. the people that I relied on more were my own staff members, who who had worked with other people out there. Uh, but for me, it was always about the fit as well. I mean, there's a, a lot of guys who know football. Everybody knows a pretty high level of football. Uh, some are better teachers than others, but the family fit was important to me too. And um, because you're in a trench and a, and more for hopefully four or five years together and man that, that better be a tight knit group mm-hmm. so that was important to me uh, I, but like I said I did rely on my assistant coaches and then if there were what happens is you get a million phone calls an absolute million phone calls of people recommending you and you know everybody's out right now trying to Trying to get this guy or that guy, uh, Tom Osborne, to call Scott. Trying to get you know whoever, Bill McCartney, to call Scott. You know somebody's got a, a name recognition or somebody he might respect. But um, w- uh, you know, most of that I understood the game, and I, I just sort of let it you know go off my back. I I I wanted to know him, meet him, vet him, and I wanted I want him to be a good fit.
2: So, how's that meeting go? Is it in the office? Do you go play golf? Do you go for a steak? I mean, how would you want to conduct that that interview? So it's not like an interview. So it's more like a what a what a work situation it'd be.
6: Oh no, I, I want to see him in person. Yeah, I want to sit there a, a, in a work environment. And okay. See him, put him on the board, and uh, and I want to know about him. So and no, uh, it was, it was in a work area. Mm-hmm. So.
2: Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, let's talk Nebraska-Wisconsin. I think the line's nine and a half. You know, what uh, What concerns would you have if you're Nebraska? And the other side of it here is uh, Wisconsin's been wide hot, and uh, another Wisconsin defensive coordinator, Justin Leonard, led the charge with it. How does Saturday look uh, at 2.30 for the Big Red?
6: You know, you look at the numbers on this, and um, – their greatest tools the fact that they play great defense they only allow 216 yards a game Chris mm-hmm. 155 throwing pass defenses but only 60 in the rush game 60 that's amazing so uh, you know, Mertz is—he'll throw—he's thrown more to the other guys than he has to his own guys in the end zone. He's got eight TDs and nine interceptions. So this is a team that's going to try to beat you on the ground and beat you with your defense. So, I mean, Nebraska—you look at Nebraska, you look at their numbers, you look at what they can do. If they just go play like they can play, and not turn the ball over, they can win this game. Because—and they're due, you know—they're just. Do for one of those games. I'm not saying this is it, but i I sure would you know uh, having changes coach changing coaches that may or may not help. You never know. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But um, you know this is a game that, if they're focused, they could win this game now. Their problem is they lost four in a row, and Wisconsin's won five in a row. and so that gets in your head. Uh, When you lose four in a row, you think you'll never win another game. That's just human nature. Mm -hmm. And when you win five in a row, you don't think there's anybody that's going to beat you now. So, (laughs) you know, that mindset is what's going to play into this game more than anything else.
2: Do you like what Adrian's done? And then last year, COVID got this ball game, so no one got to to play, but... Adrian's had good ball games. It's been more special teams in defense where it's been about a 17- to 20-point difference. But Nebraska's put up the yards, coach, against Wisconsin.
6: No question. And he's had he's got 3,000 yards this year. I mean, mm-hmm. he he is a dynamic playmaking guy. He just also makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if he goes in and plays mistake-free um, and plays the way he has, then, then Nebraska has a good chance to to win this game, but, but also more, you know, to cover,
2: too. Well, you know, good teams win, great teams cover, Coach.
6: <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: I know. Uh, yeah, you're like, don't tell me about that. Gary Barnett's <laughs> with us, Hail Varsity Radio. We'll do some rapid fire and get you out. Uh, not a ton of interesting games this weekend, but a few. How about Arkansas-Bama? I think uh, Bama's favored by 21.
6: Yeah, I like Arkansas on the cover, but I like Alabama to win this game. Arkansas is, is solid, mm-hmm. and, you know, Bama has got some warts. And, you know, if they show up, then then I think Arkansas is, is going to be right in there with them. But I, I don't think they can beat them, but I think that they're going to stay with them.
2: Iowa State shocked by Tech last weekend, despite the officiating. If you ask the uh, the Tech broadcast crew, Iowa State's got to go to OU, minus three and a half Sooners, and Oklahoma shocked, and just for kicks, uh, Aranda put another field goal up on Oklahoma before the buzzer.
6: <laughs> well, you know, you read, first of all, you can't ask the broadcasters about the, uh, the this weekend because they're not working for now No, exactly. Tech, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I thought Aranda had a, had a pretty good point in why he did it. And um I think Lincoln was being a little childish. Mm-hmm. They broke the code. Give me a break. Um <laughs> Iowa State OU, I think OU has got as many warts, more warts than uh Alabama. And Iowa State I don't know which team's gonna show up at that game, but it's at OU. It's it's hard not to pick OU in this game. Mm-hmm. And so um, I won't. I'm going to stay with Oklahoma. Okay.
2: How bad does it get in Columbus, or does Michigan State surprise it's minus 19 Buckeyes over Mel and his potential payday?
6: I think it's about right. I think Ohio State is is playing big time right now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the team who's gotten better every week. Um, of all the teams that are out there, they're the one I think every week has gotten better. And Michigan State, uh, who knows, uh, you know, they're not a, a top-to-bottom great team, but they are a doggone good, good offense. I know that. But I, I still think Ohio State wins this thing just about by the spread.
2: Tell me about K-State and Baylor before we say goodbye. K-State minus one.
6: I watched that Baylor game last week. And, um, you know, K-State just bores you to death. They just don't beat themselves. <laughs> Baylor will beat themselves, but Baylor's good. And that defense is good, and that quarterback is good. I, I'm going to go with Baylor in this game.
2: Coach Gary Barnett. Coach, we'll try and connect before uh, Black Friday. Thanks for the time today.
6: Hi, right, Chris. Great being with you.
2: Got to love Coach Barnett. We'll check in with Jeremiah Searles, Husker sideline man, next. And we're back.
1: Fellas, we could listen to the radio listen. on hail varsity radio presented by the nebraska lottery
0: yes that's
1: awesome
2: back in good stuff from gary barnett we head to the sideline now jeremiah searles standout husker longtime NFLer. nfl or follow searles on twitter at searles 71 underscore hskr if you do follow searles 10 days and counting you got your dear searles congratulations
7: Thank you, buddy. Yep, I've been I've been grinding for that one, and finally all came together for a plan last night. And was able to drop it. Really excited to harvest that animal.
2: Man, it it is uh, something that you uh, love doing outdoors, hunting. You do it with your your family, uh, and uh, that's something you grew up with, which is great. But before we dive into football, give me two more seconds about this this experience, man. Because you're a big uh, uh, you're a big animal lover. You respect animals and You uh, Mm -hmm. clearly uh, put a lot of time and effort into this.
7: Yeah, I mean, for me, hunting was something I grew up with and loved doing. And some of the best memories I have with my dad are from hunting. And with football season being in the fall, kind of from my sophomore year of high school on, when I got serious about it, hunting season's kind of fallen uh, in the same time as my busy season. Mm -hmm. So getting a chance to get back out in the woods and chasing deer and ducks and pheasants and whatever it might be again is something that I've really enjoyed getting a chance to go do, and I can't wait to do with my kid.
2: All right, let's uh, stick with the hunting theme. How does it go in Madtown for Nebraska Saturday?
7: Um, Jack Sanborn and Leo Chanel, two inside linebackers, are going to be hunting Adrian Martinez and company. Um, those defensive linebackers are really, really good. I mean, when you look at it statistically, this defense matches with Georgia in almost every category. They kind of just flip-flop one, two, one, two, one, two. And when you watch them, the only word I can think of is suffocating. Mm-hmm. They're just everywhere all the time. They have such different ways that they get to the pass rush. And they loop guys and twist and send their backers. And they're really, really talented on the defensive side of the football.
2: So what's the offensive line need to do in a normal week, let alone a crazy week with the changeup?
7: You know, we've had historically some pretty good success against this Wisconsin front Get to the edges. Um, I think that they're faster this year than they have been in the past, especially at that uh, linebacker position at the outside linebacker spots. But we got to get to the edges. This isn't a defense you want to just run downhill at. Um, Leo Chanel and those guys really want to meet those offensive guards at two yards and not let them get going and not be on double teams. And you've got to make them run laterally, and you have to make them respect the quarterback run. It's one thing Northwestern did do a great job of. They didn't make them respect the quarterback run. A lot of handoffs, quick passes, and that caused turnovers. So the offensive line, you got to protect, first of all, which we've been awful at doing this year. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. we got to be better up front protection-wise so we can take some shots down the field so that we can open some things up for the run game.
2: So Adrian's had a good couple of games when we talk about production against Wisconsin. I don't know what Nebraska's running back room looks like this weekend. I think step's available, and then I'll get back to you about 235 uh, with, with who else. Uh, but is this, is this the game for Adrian with his legs? He's got to be healed up, doesn't he?
7: You would think that this is probably the most healthy he's been in this back quarter of the season for sure. I mean, for sure the back half. I mean, His jaw's good to go now from what Scott said. I think the ankles had mo- enough time to really get healed back up. And, yeah, he's got to be a weapon. I mean, he has to at least make something happen with his legs so they have to respect the scramble game because when these guys just tee off on a non-mobile quarterback, which we watch at Northwestern, it's, it's hell-bent for our man. They're just turning and blowing, and you need to let them stay. We need to respect our rush lanes. We've got to make sure we keep them in the pocket. It slows them down just enough that it might be just that half second that we can make the extra throw or he can find that lane.
2: Searles, do you worry about morale for Saturday?
7: It's, I don't know if I worry about morale. I think morale will be good, especially to start the game. The one thing that concerns me a little bit, Schmidt, is how full is the will to fight in our tanks? I mean, when you go on the road and you're in a hostile spot, like, you have to weather that initial surge, that initial storm of the first quarter of fans are rowdy teams coming out fired up, and there's ups and downs. And my fear is offensively especially – guys come off the field and say it was a bad series or say it was a couple bad series and they're used to looking to their position coach the one voice to calm the ship calm the seas and get things going And that's a totally different voice now it's a totally different place and and how do you handle that emotionally in the middle of a game and the the tanks I mean the emotional tanks of these kids have to be really really drained I mean even coming off a bye week I mean it's been an emotional season with ups and downs and now you're talking coaches are leaving and I just I worry about how much fight we have in us if things don't go well early.
2: Searles, what do you know about Verducci? I know his uh, his resume is impressive, and he's not a stranger to the kids. What can he What can he do on the sideline this weekend?
7: You know, I think he's going to be really good with getting corrections or getting adjustments from the booths down and getting them to the kids. Again, him knowing the system, him knowing the uh, the schemes we run him speaking the language of Scott Frost's offense I think is really going to help because he's going to have to be. I mean, the, the most adjustments are made by the offensive line and the quarterback on the sidelines. Talk about protections, talking about run fits and all that stuff. And being able to translate that from booth to coach, coach to whiteboard, whiteboard to player, is extremely important. And so I think he'll do a phenomenal job
4: with that this weekend.
2: Let's look into the future, and maybe you've got a crystal ball or a magic eight ball handy. So what does Nebraska need in their next offensive line position, coach? Uh,
7: His name is John Garrison. Um, (laughs) I really do believe believe bringing a guy like John Garrison back to Lincoln, Nebraska, would be a great move. I mean, not only did he coach here two years when I was here, and we had some pretty good offensive lines those couple years when he was the head guy, but also he loves this place. He played at this place, and I think the more coaches that can come here that war the end, understand what this place is, and understand what it's supposed to be, the better. I mean, look, you hire Trev Alberts as your AD because he loves this place. He lived this place. Scott Frost is your head coach because he loved and lived this place. I, I think John Garrison would be a perfect fit. I think that he's a guy that went to NC State. He- he's at NC State right now. They have one of the best offensive lines in the country. They have a left tackle. It's up for the Outland Award. They have the least amount of sacks given up in the ACC right now. His resume is really good, and he's grown so much as a coach. and I love John. I think he's a phenomenal person. I think he'd be a really good addition to this
2: room. You just liked calling him Mr. Garrison, didn't you?
7: Mr. Garrison. But no, I grew up with him. He no, I know. He was a GA when I was a freshman, and we rose through the ranks together. And Dude, no one will work harder than that man.
2: Well, he's good. He's proven. Would he leave NC State? Mm-hmm. Let's just play hypothetical. You can uh, pay that's him. The question. Well, would you would you have to make that? Oh, can can you be an O line an O C? Is that is that doable?
7: No, I don't think it is because you have to give so much attention to the offensive line. I mean, an offensive line is basically the full time work of an O C, but with five guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got five guys. You got to have all on the same page at the same time, and that's a really tough job. But I do think bringing in the O-line coach is more important than who the offensive coordinator is in my mind. And that's probably because I'm an offensive lineman.
2: Totally agree with you. And well, and and you guys ran kind of a version of the spread, correct? I mean, it was power. It was tempo. We we ran, we ran,
4: we ran tempo hybrid. I mean,
7: we would get under center. We ran this play at 94 G lead where we pin and pull and Wisconsin runs it. I see Michigan run it. I mean, we would run a tempo, but we also would run with power. We had downhill get under center. We had a fullback that I mean, Janovich and CJ Zimmer used to be lead blockers for us. We had an identity of a physical football team, but our changeup was, hey, we're gonna stretch you out.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I mean that that,
7: yeah. that was that was one of the, the change ups. And I think that Scott wants to get back to that physicality piece a little bit. I think he sees it's necessary in the Big Ten and I mean, G would be a great one to have that.
2: Well, you and I both uh, are on the same page with that. There's other offensive line names, but Garrison, you guys were successful in the Big Ten. You were physical in the Big Ten, so it wouldn't be a surprise to him.
7: No, and and I think he's really well-developing at young men. I think that when you look at it from a bigger standpoint, those rooms, those guys that we had when he was here, you talk about Alex Lewis, Jake Cotton, myself, Spencer Long, Brent Qualley. Like he's good at developing NFL talent, offensive linemen. And, and that's ultimately at, what you really want.
2: He's good at seeing it too. I mean, right? Projecting Correct. that ability to, to he was do, right? he was
7: the one that found Spencer Long. Spencer Long was a 260-pound defensive line walk-on that John saw and was like, "We can turn him into an offensive lineman, and a damn good one." And he turned him into a third-round pick, six-year NFL player. He moment. has an eye for spotting good offensive linemen.
2: You know, you got to sell me, brother. <laughs>
7: I know. I'm just selling the world, man. No, I'm just I know. selling the world. Selfishly, I want him back, too, because I love G, and I'd love to see him around every day.
2: Well, there he is, Jeremiah Searles. Searles, uh, 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 let, me, let me go back in history a little bit further before we say goodbye. You're the last dude, your team, to play and beat Wisconsin the first time, 2012. Mm-hmm. What was mm-hmm. that? What was that like to beat Wisconsin? Tell us a story. It's been forever. Oh, it was,
7: it was phenomenal. If, if, if you recall, that was when I don't even remember his name. I just remember number eleven. Their defense then that it was like Taylor was out there skipping rocks. Oh yeah. And so and so, so Miami transfer. Correct. And uh, I remember we busted off that long. We ran a quarterback draw, and I buried number fifty-one into the dirt. And as he got up, I was like, man, those rocks skip fast. And as he was running into the end zone, and I just remember we were we wanted to beat those guys so freaking bad after the way they embarrassed us in 2011. And, I mean, we all know how it big the Big Ten championship. But that them, for me, I, I might hate Wisconsin more than I hate Iowa. It's very, very close.
2: Well, you get them back-to-back. Back. Yeah. Vogel, back Vogel to back eight weeks, baby. coined a, a perfect – phrase earlier a little bit of a triangle of hate going on here
7: oh absolutely no, no these three teams have no love for each other whatsoever
2: is nebraska's hate just the fact that okay i was a, on a bit of a streak in wisconsin's buried nebraska playing nebraska style football is that the hate
7: i think so i think there's a little bit of that too and i mean it's it's who has the red and white supremacy Mm-hmm. i mean we look exactly the same who when you say red and white in the big 10 who do you think of right now it's wisconsin we got to flip
2: that it's been uh it's been a problematic we'll see so you head up to mad town uh 30 seconds is it the most difficult road venue or is it ohio state
7: ohio state was probably a little tougher madison's crazy especially when it's rocking in the fourth quarter and they do that stupid jump around thing but I've also heard that their fans are not fun, and I've been told by multiple people, like, make sure you don't get in an altercation. So I'm going to be keeping cooler heads prevail as we walk through uh, the old crazy Badgerville.
2: So wear, uh, wear a construction hat and, and be safe, all right?
7: Essentially, that's the plan.
2: Searles, good work on getting the deer, and thanks for the breakdown today, bud.
7: Absolutely, buddy. I'll see you, Madison. All right,
2: there he is. Jeremiah Searles with us, Husker Standout, uh, sideline man for the network. And a longtime NFLer and can follow. Find him on Twitter at Searles seventy one underscore HSKR. I think his Instagram at jsearles seventy one. Daddy Burke, pride of Chicago. Up next, Burke's best bets. Veasan Sports Network. Hale Varsity on a Thursday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: And now, and now back to
2: Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it. It's time for Burke's Best Bets. Daddy Burke, Pride right of Chicago. Beacon Sports Network here. His show Rush Hour, also Danny's podcast. And uh, he is gearing up for a college football weekend in NFL. Daddy, are you uh, adjourning to the lake house up in Wisconsin for this one or how are you going to be uh, gearing up for Nebraska and Wisconsin?
0: If I knew Nebraska was going to make it worthwhile, then I would definitely have considered it, but uh, there's no assurances when it comes to that, as we all know
2: very well, Schmitty. No, you're right. You can find Danny on Twitter, at Danny Burke. 5 is where you follow him, and uh, I Media. his show is syndicated across the country, uh, so be sure to check out uh, Danny's show uh, at 6 p.m. Central on Vision Sports Network. So let's get into Nebraska and Wisconsin, Danny, that line has gone from double digits down to now nine, kind of somewhere in the middle, maybe nine and a half. Some spots, but what? How does that number grab you?
0: It, this game is so tricky, Schmitty. It, it, it just you you want to almost fade Nebraska because there's two parts to it, right? Because you look at it and you're like, all right, Wisconsin's finally looking decent. We understand the frustrations that Nebraska presents, but because of all the turnover that just occurred with Nebraska, because of them coming off of bye week, take that into account as much as you want. And because we still maybe don't trust Wisconsin as much, I actually would lean more toward taking the points with Nebraska. Now, of course, I would have liked it over the, you know, keyish number of 10 more so than now at that like nine spot, eight and a half as low as it's getting. So ultimately I think I stick away from this one, Schmidt, but I would take the points with Nebraska, if anything, honestly. I get it. It, It's one of those fallacies, like a fallen star fallacy where your top guy goes off, but your team rallies around and plays well. You saw it happen initially with the Raiders when Gruden was out. They played well. And then, you know, you had to deal with Ruggs, which just was, you know, completely out of there, and there's no way to prepare for that. But, look, that could be the case with Nebraska here getting rid of some of those coaches. Maybe the team rallies around. Maybe – it's somewhat of an odd and unique spark that they need to go out there, realize they're ticked off, want to show the fans that they're not giving up, and at least can put a close effort in this game. So if they can find a way to pass the ball, because we know how good Wisconsin is with that run defense committee, if they can find a way to throw the ball, give Martine, uh, Martinez some protection, then I would not be shocked if this ends up like a touchdown or field goal type of game.
2: It could be, and that's been Nebraska's history, right? Play it close, but break your heart at the end. What about the over-unders? How's that get you here? 40's been the number.
0: (laughs) I just love these Wisconsin totals. It's almost like trying to figure out these Bears totals, too, because you're not going to get any offense and you have that history of having a good defense except not for the Bears as much lately. But nevertheless, for this game, I almost want to take the over if it gets to like 39.5 or 39 just because... I could see Wisconsin getting off to a hot start or maybe breaking through for a few big plays in the second half, something like that. And, again, if you believe Martinez can throw the ball, this could be a somewhat surprising back-and-forth battle because I never like to bet unders when you're getting under, like, 42. Then I'm kind of just sticking away and looking for an opportunity to take it over. If you told me you're betting the under, I probably wouldn't argue with you just based on what we've seen from Wisconsin in these totals. But this one's probably a complete stay away, but a small, 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 Small lean to the over.
2: Daddy Burke's with us. Burke's best bets. Hail Varsity Radio uh, at uh, Daddy Burke 5 on Twitter. His show Rush Hour. So let's get into Iowa State, Oklahoma. Both teams stung uh, at the end. An extra field goal there by Baylor and then the, the one at the buzzer by Tech. You like the Sooners and the minus three and a half given the points or you take an Iowa State? Where you at with this one?
0: So I came on your show last week, gave out Oklahoma, got burned, and the Sooners looked like crap. There's no other way around that. But for whatever reason, and not only myself, but some other respected betters seem to be back in the Sooners here. And especially now that it's down to three and a half, I think it's a little bit tasty, Schmidty, because there's an avenue still. I don't think it's going to come to fruition. But there's an avenue to where Oklahoma, of course, still could find themselves in the college football playoff. If we see Oregon lose this weekend, if Cincinnati does something that doesn't warrant them getting in and if Oklahoma wins out, you know, you can get Lincoln Riley convincing his guys that there still is a reason to go out there and fight and put on a dominating performance. So of course that has to start this weekend and Iowa state, I just haven't got a good read on them all year. They haven't lived up to the hype that they had coming into this season. They, they really just have been so volatile in my opinion. So I actually would lean to the Sooners once again. Let's see how they bounce back. Let's see how they respond. They're probably going to win this game. I know three and a half is a little bit tricky, but I think you're a little bit more safer laying it with Oklahoma than taking it with the Cyclones.
2: How about Sparty at Ohio State? Too many points or about right for the Buckeyes to, to lay 19?
0: Yeah, that's too many points for me, Schmitty. I'd only have to take the points with the Spartans. Look, last week I was laying the points with Ohio State. Purdue, you had to figure, was inevitably going to finally drop the game, right? I mean, it just seemed like it was going to finally happen, and that's what did happen with Ohio State at home. And, look, this Michigan State team, I mean, they were a playoff team, what, two weeks ago? And it's not even that. I get it. You know, the the competition and talent level is certainly, you know, Jekyll and Hyde in a sense between these two teams. But – The thing is, Michigan State thrives with their running game, right? And, you know, if a spread is so high and a team is able to control time of possession enough or get something going in that ground game, they're not going to let Ohio State get a huge lead. It isn't going to be a shootout. So I actually think I would take the point with the Spartans, assuming that they can establish that ground game enough to make it not be a blowout.
2: So let's go to the NFL, Danny. And uh, a quick thought here, Green Bay at Minnesota, minus one and a half. Can Aaron Rodgers uh, go into U.S. Bank and do his work again? He got a little teary-eyed on the way off the field uh, last weekend.
0: Yeah, and that offense didn't really look that great against a not-solid Seattle defense, and you're going to be missing Aaron Jones in this game, a Packers defense that has looked better despite their injuries. I'm not really trusting them here. Originally, I'm looking at this line going two and a half. Yeah, that seems like a buy-low spot on Green Bay, and then you keep seeing it come down to 2, come down to one and a half. And that's telling you something here. And you look at Minnesota and they, like I always seem to tweet out, they always play it close. It is unfreaking canny, Schmitty. So the way I'm looking at it, I actually teased up Minnesota when they were plus two and a half, plus eight and a half. Of course, you could still do that if they're catching plus one and a half, get them up to the Vikings plus seven and a half. Instead, if you tease the Vikings for every single game, they were a short dog like they are now. They have covered that in every single game this season. Packers have a winning margin maybe, I think, of five, if I recall correctly, away from home. So I'm not saying the Vikings win here, but I think they keep it close, especially if they can get their ground game going, which they have done pretty well when Dalvin's been healthy.
2: Danny Burke with us. Danny, 30 seconds, knee-jerk here, Dallas at Kansas City.
0: Man, I, I get why people want to bet Kansas City because the public's looking at Dallas going, how is Dallas catching points? Kansas City beat a weak Raiders team. I get it. I do look toward teasing up the Cowboys here, but if I'm going straight up, I could see Kansas City getting on a roll because the NFL is weird like that. But ultimately, I think you tease up the Cowboys here to plus eight and a half. That would be my best play. And let's be honest, it's going to be a shootout. You probably couldn't put the total high
2: enough. Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bets. Danny, have a good weekend, bud.
0: Hey, you bet, Schmitty. You too.
2: There he is, pride of Chicago, Danny Burke. And uh, VEASAN Sports Network, Rush Hour. His show starts at it's six, and uh, NFL action tonight here with some of our affiliates. Uh, Thursday Night Football, New England's looking more New England-like. Email to, to get to. can always email the show, chris, at hailvarsity.com. Kevin emails in, intriguing game Saturday. With all the staff changes, motivation questions, whiskey's question. Uh, we'll get to Kevin's. Question in the email. Next, we'll wind down a Thursday. It's Hail Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailvarCity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to
2: Hail Varsity Radio. One final time on a Thursday. Busy tomorrow. Uh, we'll hear from Jacob Padilla, some thoughts on Nebraska basketball, some Husker football. The pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman will be in. And a real red reaction uh, Saturday right after Nebraska-Wisconsin. Elijah Herbal in on that. And uh, the pride of Lincoln Northeast, man. Jeff Motes sitting in with me and Elijah uh, we're going to have a bit of a Wisconsin part, Nebraska-Wisconsin watch party. Better rephrase that. Um, and, uh, yeah, just gearing up and figuring out what to put on the smoker, Connor. Thinking about some beef kebabs, thinking about some uh, some ribs. You're a Chicago kid. You know all about ribs.
5: I mean, both of those sound like extremely good options right about now.
2: No, the, the real question is what what to charge the people who show up. <laughs>
5: Well, it depends on what you're cooking. I mean, I think a good baseline for you would probably be around 20 bucks if you're hosting.
2: I'm, yeah. <laughs> Just to be cruel. I would be punched in the face repeatedly. <laughs> so well, let's get to that email from from Kevin. And he's like, you know, what's the offensive game plan going to be? And, and Kevin's like, look, they need to slow the game down, a lot of quarterback run, and uh, throw the kitchen sink at Wisconsin defensively. How about some trick plays? Kevin, I think you're on the money with with ball control. Nebraska's got to do that. Adrian's got to run it, and Pete called in earlier and was like, you know, Adrian's got to be a willing runner. We were all over that in, in total agreement uh, beginning of the week, right? So, the reality is this. Nebraska can hit some big plays, and it'd be totally Nebraska. We were saying that Ohio State week for Nebraska to Shock, right? But this would be good. This would show this would show a lot just because of the changes made, the perseverance needed from the remainder of the staff, but also the kids. And you know five and seven's not cool, but it's a lot cooler than three and nine. and that is that is really what it's kind of about moving forward. So, some notes here uh, next week. We are on the road Wednesday to get you primed up ahead of Thanksgiving. We are at the Single Barrel for a Wednesday pre-Thanksgiving show. And it's the best night of the whole year to avoid and evade the in-laws. Come see us. They got a lot on tap and they got over 250 whiskeys. So, we'll be there Wednesday ahead of uh, Thanksgiving. And then Friday, it's a double shot from The Bar, The Bar. I can't wait to be down there with Seth and Gregor's. Man, gonna be a lot of fun for uh, pregame ahead of Nebraska-Iowa, Black Friday 9-11, to 11, and then Real Red Reaction uh, following from The Bar, The Bar 16th and P. Come by, see us, doors open at The Bar at 9 a.m. Black Friday. So that is on uh, our horizon We have one more show uh, for tomorrow, and then we'll get into the weekend edition on Saturday. So, listen, uh, Nebraska, a lot in front of them. Husker basketball, we'll dive into a little bit of that as it is Idaho State tomorrow night. Connor, good to be with you. Check the SoundCloud out. Great stuff from Searles on John Garrison for O-line coach. Thoughts from Gary Barnett on the coaching carousel. And uh, no doubt, Brandon Vogel, incredible, along with uh, Mitch Sherman. Check it out, HaleVarsity.com, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Download the podcast. Take care.